Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'll pre-record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. It's Monday, new week, new episode of the Eagle Hour. Thank you for joining us, Luke Johnson, Kelly Sander, Michael Mergens from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg, and downtown Laurel Bob Getty out of town this week. We'll be holding down the fort for you. Got a lot coming up, of course, so we'll visit with Scott Berry here in just a moment. Talk about possibly one of the greatest underdog uh, performances in, 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 in sports for the past few decades. We'll talk about that later in the show, but got a great show for you today. Kelly, how's your Monday? Good, Luke. Ready to rock and roll, and uh, the sun is shining, and I'm just not sure things could be any better. It's, uh, it's a g- good day, good Monday, new week uh, for all of us. And I would remind you, as always, the first segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Dickie's Barbecue, located in a community near you. Justin and the hometown team right outside of Turtle Creek Mall in Hattiesburg. Fresh meats cooked every single day. You probably got a lot of uh, out of school, uh, end of school parties going on and maybe hosting uh, some people over to your house, swim parties. Dickies can cater all of that, and uh, we appreciate their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Golden Eagles go two and two on the week, drop two of three, but are able to uh, pull off some Pete Taylor Park magic in the bottom of the 10th yesterday uh, to uh, salvage a win from Old Dominion. Eagles right now 36 and 12 overall, 18 and 6 in Conference USA, still in first place with a two game lead. Visiting with us, as he does every Monday, the skipper of the Golden Eagles, head coach Scott Berry. And, and Coach, before we talk about the weekend, I don't want to overlook uh, what happened um, last Tuesday. Uh, some some more ninth-inning magic from the Golden Eagles. Three runs in the top of the ninth, and uh, one of those wins that, that you needed to get on the road. Let's talk just for a moment about Matt Adams' second midweek performance uh, in a row for him. I think nine strikeouts. Talk about uh, last Tuesday night. Well, you're right. I mean, the second midweek performance that he's turned in that has really just proven to be a difference maker for us this time of the year in more ways than one. Not only presently with those games that he's pitching, but what we can look forward to moving forward as a fresh arm that, that certainly is is really pitching well. So, yeah, he uh, he got that ball again against South Alabama, a tough place to always go down there and play. And, and he covered six and two-thirds innings and nine strikeouts, no walks. You know, the whole staff did a great job there, 11 strikeouts and, and only one walk. But, you know, Matty up and going into the seventh inning, he had two outs. You know, they scored three runs on, on two outs. and uh, Or, I'm sorry, the four runs on two outs, which seems to be kind of a – Unfortunately, a little consistent here with us, but uh, but you know, couldn't ask for a better outing than what he gave. Little magic in the in the top of the ninth. You get three runs uh, to win it, and and you're gonna you know have to have games like this. This is uh, you you've won a lot this year. Um, you know, late in the, in the really the the 
the third part of the game, the last three innings. And how important is a win like that, you know, on the road, down in the ninth, uh, give your team, uh, you know, some uh, some mental fortitude in, in the postseason coming up? Well, you know, ever since the injuries to, to Wilkes and Ewing, it's kind of throwing on chemistry off, in all honesty, because, you know, Honestly, up to that point, um, and even beyond the 15, prior to the 15-game winning streak, we were running basically the same lineup out there every time. I mean, those guys had proved to be the, the winning lineup and the combination and, and, and everything, the chemistry about it. And, uh, you know, ever since the injuries, we've kind of hit that, that little tough spot in our schedule and, uh, you know, haven't, haven't fared too well. You know, about 500 ball was what we seem to be playing with it. And uh, so going on that road after losing two out of three to UAB over the weekend and then going to, to a tough place that, you know, has historically been uh, well, a place that's hard to win. And we had, I don't think we've won there since 2017, I guess, maybe. You know, it's been five years. So, for us to go in there and do that uh, after the after the series loss, you know, I was I was really really proud of our guys. And you know, giving up the lead, being up three to nothing, and all of a sudden now you're down four to three there after seven innings, and then scoring the three in the ninth just showed me that this team has still got a lot of belief in them and, and what they can do. Before we talk about the uh, the Old Dominion series, you mentioned Reese uh, Ewing. Any update on him this week, Coach? No, really not. I think they're going to x-ray him later today, but, you know, that's not going to prove to be anything, but probably just a little bit better. But, uh, you know, when it first happened, I was op- trying to be optimistic that, you know, we might see him for the UTSA series, and, you know, I would think that would be doubtful in all honesty. So Ewing probably had another week. All right, let's talk about um, this series. And, uh, Coach, I mean, just – Old Dominion mashers. We knew coming in the series they had three guys with as many home runs as as our club, and I mean they lived up to the hype. But but really two two pitches got us in trouble on Friday night. Apart from that, fourteen strikeouts for Tanner Hall. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Uh, you know, big, strong, physical guys that have one thing on their mind, and that's leaving the yard. And and if they don't then you stand a good chance of, of getting them out and the, you know, by way of, of the strikeout in all honesty. So, you know, I think uh, on the weekend we struck them out 44 times in the series, which is, uh, you know, which is a lot of strikeouts, but man, I'll tell you what, what you, what you can't do with them is you can't walk hitters because if they do connect, then they're going to hit multi run home runs. And that's what, that's, what's going to get you. And it almost got us yesterday, but Tanner, yeah, on Friday night, a couple of pitches he left up. Those guys, they didn't, they didn't miss them. They hit them, and, and when they hit them, they went a long ways. But you know, I think the storyline with us on that night was, you know, five of the nine innings we had a runner at second base, and uh, with uh, with two outs. Uh, but but two of those five innings, we had a runner at second base with nobody out, and we weren't able to get them in. The only lone run that, that we scored that night was a, a two-out RBI by Starge there in the third inning. And, you know, credit credit Old Dominion, uh, not only with, uh, with with how they played, their pitcher pitched well that night, Blake Morgan. You know, he uh, we did get a run off from him. That's the first run he's given up now in five starts. And, uh, you know, we were able to scratch for one. But, 
give them credit. You know, they took the momentum back from us there in the fifth inning. They had a couple of insurance runs there in the eighth and ninth that uh, really just kind of sealed the deal for them. And, you know, Old Dominion made every play the whole weekend, guys. I mean, they played outstanding defense. Um, and, and the only error was in the tenth inning yesterday on Sarge's ball that, that got it going. Yep. So you you leave nine on on uh, on Friday night and and let's talk Saturday. Um, so everybody's asking, of course, uh, what proved to be the difference in the game. You get a run in the bottom of the first, they get a run in the top of the second. Everybody thought you know you were going to get tossed, pretty animated. Kind of walk us through that. I mean, it's pretty obvious the runner was out of the baseline uh, in in the the rundown, and it seemed as if Rodrigo knew it, and so he didn't even turn around and chase the guy. I mean, and, and is that what your argument was? And kind of give no, us what we, happened there. Well, you know, and I haven't seen, I have not seen a replay of it. I don't know if he was on the baseline or not. I, from my angle, when when he went to tag him, I thought he tagged him, um, and then. That was my argument, that, that he tagged him. And I even asked Rodrigo, did you tag him? He said, yes, I did. Of course, when we got in the dugout, and I said, did you tag him? He said, I think I did. I said, what do you mean you think you did? You either did or you didn't. So that tells me that he didn't tag him. Uh, but I have not been able to – he did say – the umpire did say that uh, he was not out of the baseline. He was in the baseline. You know, that's where you wish you had replay, where you could go and say, all right, let's get this thing right. Let's Let's – because now it's just his word against your word, yeah. and uh, yeah, he didn't he didn't throw me. I honestly, I was trying to get thrown, but he didn't uh, he didn't <laughs> throw me. So, um, but he, uh, but yeah, that was that was the argument there. Of course, we lost out on it, and uh, that play, and then uh, another play there, and that that put Charlie up next to the wall that it hit off the wall. You know, those those were two plays right there that defensively that 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 hurt us with with uh, that game. And, and just to clarify, because we were talking about it, so, you know, the addition of the new school board, people were asking, I thought we got the school board to get replay. I mean, that's the decision you make at the first part of the year, and only Charlotte made that decision to have instant replay throughout the year in the conference, correct? Yeah, and it's terrible replay. You know, that's the part that I want addressed with replay, just because you have something that you can look at, it needs to be quality. And that was the problem at Charlotte's. It wasn't quality. I mean, we saw that on the on the on the play there in the in the ninth inning where we thought we'd won the game, and then you see the the, the, the feed later on Twitter. You can't even see the guy's foot or Sarge's foot. All you, I mean, there's nothing you can see to overturn that call, but it did. So, replay needs to be quality if you're going to have it. But we don't we don't have it, and you know, moving forward, that'll be a conference decision that we'll address with the new conference Sun Belt in August when we meet. Uh, person in person in New Orleans for our meetings. Eagle Hour going to step aside for our commercial break, visiting with Southern Miss head baseball coach Scott Berry. We'll talk a little about Sunday's game and uh, just kind of where we are in this point of the season. Eagle Hour continues with the skipper right after this.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Back in the Southern Bancor studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel, Eagle Hour continues on this Monday, second segment, brought to you by Campus Bookmark. Eagles going to be playing in the postseason. You need to get your postseason swag, campusbookmark.net, or on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Campus Bookmark, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Bob, uh, out this week at Luke Johnson, Kelly Sander, Michael Mergens, Holding it down, and we continue with head coach Scott Berry. Coach, um, we, we got five hits on Saturday. Felt like we should have had about 15 as we just hit everything on the screws. But uh, yesterday, Pete Taylor Park Magic in the bottom of the 10th. Thought we had the game one. They tied it up with another home run, uh, but your guys able to, to get guys on base uh, by any way possible, and then Danny Lynch walks it off in the 10th. Well, you know, that old saying, the hardest out to get that last one, and it proved – to be that way, certainly yesterday. We get two fly ball outs there in the, in the top of the ninth. Landon is just pitching absolutely outstanding. And, and uh, then all of a sudden, leadoff hitter who we've really controlled the whole weekend, Wheeler, he uh, he backside ones off from the, the video board net, and here we go, tie ball game. So, you know, right now, it, it's kind of tough, Luke and, and Kelly, because – you know, we, we went 27 days without losing. And in that was 15 wins, consecutive wins, 12 road wins, playing as good as you could play and getting every break and deserving every break because you're playing hard. And then, you know, a little disruption with some injuries there kind of throws a little wrinkle in us. Now we, we, we lose a couple of series. You know, yesterday was all about, you know, having that mental edge, being able to put what happened behind you and focus on what was present. And then, you know, you're feeling really good about this game, and then all of a sudden, here they come, tied up in the in the top of the ninth. But, you know, that team, once again, showed us something. They could have easily just given in and said, hey, it's just not meant to be. But they were determined to, to, to win that game. And, and the only error that Old Dominion made in three games, they make there with one out in the top of the ten, or bottom of the tenth on Sarge's Five three, what should have been a five three ground ball. Will McGillis, you know, he hits a flare double to right field. Sarge does a great job, you know, going from first to third. Which honestly, if if we're still first and second, the same ball that Danny hits with them pulled in, we probably can't score that run right there because uh, you know is it. But because now we're second and third, that ball falls in, and obviously it's it's a walk off in favor of us. And I want to I want to talk about the the mental aspect of Sunday's win, because let me suggest that had ODU pulled that game out, the mental state of your team, Coach Barry, might be a lot different than it is today. So one just just one win can make such a big difference as to your team's mental outlook the rest of the way. Or am I being too dramatic? No, I don't think you're being too dramatic at all. You know, I think. You know, at this point, everybody's a little fragile, you know, and, uh, you know, you got to be strong and, and you got to understand that, you know, after after we went 15 straight, that you lose a game and that, that was probably going to happen at some point. That's not what you prepare and practice to do to lose a game, but, you know, that's, that's how things happen. You know, they're going to lose a game. What you have to be able to do is minimize 
and not lose too many games. And, of course, losing both series and then having our backs against the wall once again for the second week in a row, a must-win on Sunday to avoid being swept, you know, appears in, in our in our wake up call yesterday and and it was all it was all about the mental side. You know, how are you gonna to choose to go out and, and come off that wall? Are you gonna stay on the wall or are you gonna come off the wall? And uh, you know, like we saw last weekend they were able to come off the wall and, and pull off that win without getting swept. Yeah, and that's 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 where I was going with this. It's one thing to lose a series, but it's another thing to get swept on your home field. And then and then everybody starts asking, and I know you don't deal with outside influences, but but maybe even some of your guys deep down inside would say, well, did we peak too soon? Are we, are we panicking? But I was so glad to see the adversity of the guys to pull that one out tomorrow night uh, on Sunday when it could be it could be very easy could have easily been the other way and tighten things up now as you head down the stretch. So kudos, good for you. Well, thank you. Well, you know, what, what numbers we were given ranking two weeks ago uh, and the recognition that we were getting, you know, was, was deserving of how we were playing. Obviously, that's in one part of your season. Right. What, what you're wanting to do is, is you're wanting to fill, finish the season with those numbers. That's the goal. Sure. You know, along the way, you know, somebody had to start number one back February 18th, and, and they're not there anymore. Uh, there's a new number one. They've been there for a while. And, you know, obviously the best team out there is Tennessee. They just continue to roll. But you know, our our goal at the beginning of the year was in order, and that was to win a conference championship. Those goals have not changed, even though there was some outside influence brought into our heads, and we tried to stay away from it. You know, the message was control what you can control, and that's the game at hand, the present game that we're playing. We are leading the conference. Yesterday's message was we've got a two-game lead. We need to concentrate on winning the conference tournament. Hosting regionals, going to regionals, super regionals, Omaha, that's way, way out there. We've got to take care of business now, and our goal should be centered on and committed to, to winning a conference title, a regular season conference title. And, and you know, that's, that's, where we, that's where we are right now with our, with our mental side. And you did see more of the analytics this weekend that we've talked about that is creeping more and more into the, the college game. You know, uh, ODU obviously had done its homework in shifting some particular players, shifting their defense, particularly for Dustin Dickerson that we were talking about, that they, that they hadn't played almost straight over the bag at second base, which left – the right side wide open, but there were other instances where ODU was manipulating its defense to try to gain an advantage. Yeah, and I think the more that, that people expose themselves and subscribe to the technology that's out there, obviously you're going to start playing the percentages of where these guys hit. Uh, and you know, it's it's not guaranteed it's going to happen, but you know, there's there's when you have large number of percentage going in one direction, then certainly you probably need to favor your defense to move in that direction. Scott, uh, before I turn it back over to Luke, just one last question for me. Is there anything keeping you up at night, Coach Barry, now in regards to your team as you do head down the stretch and into possible postseason play? No, I mean, you know, I, I wish we could get Ewing back, you know, but injuries are part of it, you know. Sure. Injuries are not an excuse, but they're part of it, you know. You, you can look at however you want. Mississippi State, you know, they lose their best pitcher there early in the year. 
you know, what kind of leader was that guy on the team? Did it have an effect on where they are today? You know, very well could be. You know, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of chemistry uh, things that happen. So, you know, just just us uh, you know, getting back healthy and being able to weather this a little bit longer and until we are, that's probably the – and, you know, and honestly that's not even in my control, so I shouldn't let it keep me up. But, you know, I guess that's just how you get wired when you're in these positions. Coach, uh, just to kind of follow up on that, uh, you know, a few people have – you know, people ask and talk and, and stuff like that. You know, we've got freshmen. The way that recruiting works, I, I, I assume, you know, going forward in, in years to come, we would have guys that we would be able to plug like this. It's just kind of a freak situation where, you know, you got to put Charlie Fisher in left field, um, you know, to, to get his bat in the lineup that you're just short on position players right now with, with your other outfielder being Slade Wilkes and, you know, him not wanting to get, you know, you not wanting to, to, to risk him getting hurt again. Well, the difference between baseball and football, football gets four games to play a guy without burning a year. Okay? So baseball, you put that person in for one pitch. I don't care if it's the pinch run, if it's to pinch hit, to go to the mound, play defense, that's a year. He's done. Yeah. So what my job becomes is, is number one, being able to utilize the personnel that we have. Can they help us win? And when they're young as a freshman, will they play enough to justify burning a year for them? You know, I can remember Gabe Montenegro in his freshman year, and whoever we played that opening weekend – Two days in a row, we blow him out. I mean, we're up 10, 12 runs, and he keeps peeking over his shoulder at me. And I'm like thinking to myself, son, you're not going to have a whole season of blowouts. You know, you've got really good outfielders in front of you. My worry is that if I put you in, are you going to end that year with 10 at-bats? And that would be it. And so the same thing is with our guys right now. We've, we've stayed injury-free up till a couple weeks ago. And, and, you know, we've played pretty well. It hasn't been room for any of these other guys. Well, just because we're hurt right now, if I put, if I take a guy, let's just say like a Bryce Fowler, who's a really good outfielder for us, if I try to put him in right now, okay, maybe he only gets three games, four games, whatever, before Ewing comes back. Is that fair to him? Sure. No, I don't think it is. And and that's that's the hard part of my job. If the NCAA would put in there that they have 20% of the games without penalizing them losing a year, much like football has with four games, then yeah. it'd be a no-brainer. We could do that. But Absolutely. it's a little more complicated with baseball. Coach, uh, we appreciate your time today. Going to be talking to you Wednesday also in preps uh, for the Ole Miss game. Thanks for for coming on with us. And keep on the grind, man. Believe in you. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Southern Miss head baseball coach Scott Berry as he joins us every Monday. He'll be joining us later in the week. We'll tell you more about that as Eagle Hour continues. Southern Miss to the top. The Eagle Hour continues from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Luke Johnson is in Laurel. I'm Kelly Sander. I'm in Hattiesburg along with Merg, who is 
the Rockford, Illinois Flash, the pride of Rockford, Illinois, pushing all the right buttons today uh, on the show as Bob sure Getty. It doesn't say that on their Wikipedia. <laughs> I think there's someone else on there. <laughs> You're not the, the pride of uh, no. Rockford, Illinois? I think that's cheap trick. Okay. Well, you should have, for all practical purposes, no. you should have been a cheap trick. No. And I think they're coming to the coast, aren't they, this fall? September, yeah. Yeah. That would be a good good show to go to. See if you can swing some tickets for us. Sure. Mark. This uh, segment of the program brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Miss Louise and the kitchen crew are always uh, eager to serve you with the nine ninety five special plate lunch every week. Huge portions for us full-figured guys. You're never going to get cheated on food, and you're never going to get cheated on camaraderie. All the Southern Miss students and fans like to pregame at 4th Street Bar and Grill, the coldest beer in town, the nicest pool tables around to play darts. They also, Booty will get a game of uh, trivia up every once in a while, too. It's always a lot of fun at 4th Street Bar and Grill in the shadow of M.M. Roberts Stadium right across the Highway 49 Bridge on 4th Street. Luke Johnson has had a chance to break down all the numbers as to where the Eagles now and how they were affected by the series against Old Dominion this weekend. Still not a lot of uh, rating services, proud to say, giving up on the Eagles, still kind of hanging tough. And, and as Luke, as you break down these numbers, I still, I still just, I don't think that the Eagles are in any, any kind of trouble as far as hosting a regional goes, but let's, let's look at these numbers now. So, in regards to RPI, they're at 15. That's Warren Nolan. So, 15 RPI. We should make note when talking about RPI, Conference USA right now has moved up into the fifth-ranked RPI league. Um, Southern Miss at 15. Now, listen to some of these numbers. Old Dominion with two wins. They jumped from, like, 62 up to 41. Louisiana Tech at 50. Middle Tennessee at 51. UTSA, who the Golden Eagles play this weekend, at 54. Charlotte at 83. UAB at 86. And uh, FAU at 93. So, Conference USA, um, I mean, there's a case to be made. They, there's, there, I think there's a real, real good chance they might be, uh, I think they're going to be a two-bid league, but might be a three-bid league, depending on, uh, you know, what happens. I tell you what, if Old Dominion got in as a three or four seed somewhere, that would be brutal uh, for someone. But Southern Miss 15 in the RPI in national rankings, 14th in D1, 14th in perfect game, and 17th in Baseball America. Why that's uh, you know important when we look at the Conference USA standings over the weekend, of course, Old Dominion took two or three from the Eagles. Charlotte swept Rice, FAU. Uh, two out of three from Louisiana Tech. Western Kentucky, two out of three against UAB. UTSA, two out of three at Marshall. And Middle Tennessee, two out of three at FIU. But, Kelly, props to Marshall, Western Kentucky, and FIU. And even FAU because it, it you stretched uh, this out a little bit. With, with UTSA losing one game to Marshall, the Eagles – keep a two-game lead in the Conference USA regular season uh, rankings. So what, this, so what this comes down to, of course, you'd have to be living in a cave to not know that, uh, that Ole Miss is coming here for a midweek game. But conference-wise, the Roadrunners are coming in here uh, this weekend from UTSA. The Eagles can do their own dirty work this weekend. If they beat UTSA two out of three, at least two out of three, obviously, then the Eagles are regular season champions. Now, Luke, you've played the, you've played football at a very high level. I know people will say, "Well, it doesn't matter how we get there. We, you know, I, it doesn't matter how we win the title. We just want to win the title." But let me suggest that if athletes at a higher level would much rather do the work themselves 
then expect somebody else to do the work, and then, therefore they back into a championship. Yes? Yeah, I mean, you want to take care of it. I, I can remember this was in high school. I mean, we, we won a division championship because somebody lost. Now, you know, 20 years later, nobody remembers it. I do. And I was thankful we won a division championship. But, you know, you, you look at, at Southern Miss when we won Conference USA in 2003. We not only, you know, beat TCU when they were eighth in the country, we went to Greenville the next week and, and delivered the knockout punch to East Carolina and didn't have to go to tiebreakers or any jazz like that. So, yeah, you need to, you need to take care of business when it's in your ability to do it. Southern Miss right now, 36 and 12. I went over Ole Miss. All these teams were playing like left, so Ole Miss is 56 in the RPI, Middle Tennessee 51, UTSA 54. Um, you're not going to get crushed in RPI, but right now wins, you've got to have wins. You're at 36 and 12. You've got seven games left. I'm of the opinion Eagles need to get to, to 41, uh, and a couple wins in the conference tournament would get you at 43. So you would be looking at, uh, you know, if you didn't win the tournament, you might be 43 and 15. That's good enough to host, um, but it's going to be kind of in the mid-range to host. You don't need to be the last team selected to be paired up against the Knoxville Regional. I mean, you just you don't want that. And so to your point, if you take care of business on your own and you win both of these series, and, and let me just tell you, I mean, two out of three at Murfreesboro is going to be tough because of some of the pitching that they have. Um, we were told, you know, this past weekend that once we get past Blake Morgan, you know, we're, we're going to shell their bullpen. Eagles didn't do it. I mean, the very fact that the, the Southern Miss pitching staff was so good, 44 strikeouts this weekend, I think five walks or six walks, phenomenal. That's what kept the Golden Eagles in the game. They're going to have to hit down this stretch, and they're going to have to hit against some pretty good pitching. But yet one of the oddities of this Eagle team this year is their brilliance on the road. I, I can't remember in, in the modern era of baseball at Southern Miss where an Eagle team has feasted while they've been on the road. So that, and of course, as they say in all those investing commercials, you know, track record of the past is no guarantee to future results. But I like the Eagles going to Murfreesboro. They seem, whatever it is on the road, they seem to be comfortable and, and don't seem to miss, you know, a beat. Back to the numbers that you were talking about, and sometimes the numbers can be a little bit deceptive. And here's one of the examples, in my opinion. Right now, in my opinion, the hottest team in Conference USA are the 49ers of Charlotte. But yet when you look at your RPI numbers, Luke, Charlotte is not really getting a whole lot of love. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure that I, that I understand that. But would you agree that at least right now, Charlotte looks to be the hottest team and a team that you certainly would not want to draw if the Conference USA tournament were today? Yeah, I mean, since you know Southern Miss swept them back in early April, they lost their next series to Middle Tennessee. Then they swept UAB, swept Marshall, and they swept Rice. They also, let's see, I don't think they had any Middle Tennessee. Oh, they beat Coastal Carolina in that in a midweek also. So, yeah, I, I think what you're seeing is, though, the reason they're not getting love is because they tripped at the beginning of the season, whereas Southern Miss, uh, you know, really until this past weekend was being given the benefit of the doubt. They stayed in the top ten, and it's because what they did – up to that point. 
Um, you can trip a little down the stretch, uh, but if you trip coming out the gate, it, it seems as if you have to run a lot faster, you know, to catch back up with the field. But, um, but we but, talked about when that when the tournament last Monday, we Bob Getty had mentioned that if the tournament were to have started last Monday, that Southern Miss would draw UAB, which after the auspicious performance against UAB was uh, would be pretty scary. But I contend right now the team that I would not want to play is Charlotte. You know, the way the Niners have won nine in a row. Um, and, and they appear to be peaking, you know, at the right time. Still, uh, you know, after this weekend, it's still a, a jumbled um, mess in the standings. So here's your up-to-date Conference USA standings. Southern Miss with a two-game lead, 18-6. and six. UTSA in second place at 16-8. and eight. Louisiana Tech and Florida Atlantic, three games back at 15-9. and nine. Charlotte, Middle Tennessee, Four games back at fourteen and ten, Old Dominion and UAB. It, it's Marshall's going to have to sweep. UAB is going to have to get swept for that that bottom to change right now. If the Conference USA tournament were held today, Southern Miss is the one uh, would still play UAB. Louisiana Tech uh, as the this is the, I'm going by brackets, not by ranking. So so in the top bracket, Southern Miss UAB. Tech at four, Middle Tennessee at five. The bottom half of the bracket would be UTSA two against ODU as the seven. ODU would be the seven seed right now. FAU three against Charlotte six. So, you know, if, if that were to happen today, I mean, that's what you're looking like. You're you're going to have possibly Tech or Middle or FAU as your four. That's probably what it's going to work out. And uh, so you would think, you know, going into the season, like, oh, Louisiana Tech, Southern Miss never be in the Conference USA bracket against each other. Well, well there's a good chance they're going to be when it happens in Pete Taylor. Well, the task is at hand this weekend. And, oh, yeah, there's that sellout on Wednesday night against Ole Miss. But the task is right in front of the Eagles, and it's the conference championship there for the taking. Uh, this weekend against UTSA, if they win two out of three, the Eagles nail down the number one seed for the Conference USA Tournament that they obviously will host. By the way, you know you can get in touch with the, the ticket office right now at Southern Miss and discuss ticket options for the Conference USA uh, Tournament. But uh, it's right there for the you, Eagles to do it. Just two out of three against uh, UT San Antonio is what has to be done this weekend. Now, what, going, going forward, you have to hit the ball. When you were striking out 17 batters a game, like you have to do that. And that's that's what was so frustrating. In two losses this year against FAU and ODU, Southern Miss pitchers struck out 36 batters in those two games. Yeah, running scoring runs helps for sure. When we come back, one of the greatest sports stories in the past 50 years happened over the weekend. We'll tell you about it when the Eagle Hour returns in a moment. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by D1 and DBAT Training Center in Hattiesburg, where they their job is to develop champions. Whether you're youngsters, go there to develop skills for baseball and softball, which is currently in season. Football season will be right around the corner. They can help you pick up a step or two, help you just get in better better physical and mental shape. D1 and D-Bat in Hattiesburg. Speaking of champions, 
One of the greatest sports stories, in my opinion, in the past 50 years occurred this weekend at the Kentucky Derby. I'm sure most of you have probably heard of it by now, but a horse that was not even scheduled to be in the race as of Friday morning, who got into the race because another horse was scratched, who went off at 80 to 1, by far the longest shot in the field, a horse that had no shot, won the Kentucky Derby. Larry Colmas has been calling the Derby for some 13 years now. This was the 148th edition of the Kentucky Derby. And here's what happened. to one didn't even mention rich strike until the last 10 seconds of that audio he started in the 21st gate position which is the farthest one away from the rail that you can get he had raced seven other races had won one just one out of the seven and in four he didn't even show meaning he made no money And here, what Rich Strike did, going from the 21st starting position all the way to winning the Kentucky Derby, and if you see video of it, the last charge around the corner, what this horse did this weekend has not been done since 1913, over 100 years ago. And what Rich Strike's victory stands out for me, Luke and Michael, is that The underdog can win. It does happen. Now, mind you, obviously, not very often. But how can you not feel good about what this horse did this weekend and how this horse has lit a fire under in the hearts of all underdogs in the world? He was sold at auction for $30,000, which to you and me is a lot of money. But in, in horse sense, that's nothing. And now he wins the Kentucky Derby. Amazing. The best view of it, and I retweeted this on on my Twitter profile, but it's the NBC Sports tweet from May the 7th because it's the overhead. And you can, and they actually have Epicenter pointed out and they have Rich Strike pointed out. So he's, you know, he's kind of in the left middle of the pack. He finds an opening, hits the rail, and then has to go back outside and go around another and then he just took off i mean the distance that he closed in the last i don't know how many furlongs it was but i mean it was it was pretty impressive so after the after the race my mom and i because my mom's been watching kentucky derby for forever so when rich strike you know they they bring the lead ponies in i don't know if you saw this kelly yeah but he bit the lead pony, and the guy on the lead pony had to, like, hit him. I mean, he literally hit Rich Strike. So you win the Kentucky Derby, and uh, and then you get hit. And, you know, it was Peter or whoever said they're going to file a, a complaint. So his his uh, trainer yesterday, or, or, or this morning, earlier this morning on the Today Show, said the outsider's job at the end of the race is to help get the lead horse and get him slowed down, take him around, and then let the jockey do the interview. They, uh, Rich Strike's nickname is Richie. They go, Richie, he was in killer mode. 
He was going to outrun every horse on the track. And so when he saw that pony coming his way, he thought another horse, he had another horse to beat and he was trying to run by him. His owner stuff. had never been involved in the Kentucky Derby. It was the jockey's first try at the Kentucky Derby. So a horse who people just left neglected goes for a rock bottom price of $30,000 and comes through against all the big corporate money, all the trainers, and all the glitz and glamour that normally makes up the Kentucky Derby. Rich Strike, you are one for the little guys, and we salute you today on the Eagle Hour. What an amazing, amazing story. Good stuff. Um, underdogs win, and they can win, and they will continue to win. I just I'm rewatching this video about how feisty he was. And Mike Tirico, and Mike Tirico, you know who's, who who few will argue is one of the most consummate professionals in broadcasting. You could tell was genuinely thrilled, and and Larry Calmus, who didn't even I mean, as he's watching Rich Strike, you you know he's going. This is not happening. The 80-to-1 horse that nobody gave a chance to win is winning the Kentucky Derby. Even at my age, to see something thrilling like that, if that is not thrilling to you, I, I feel sorry for you. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. Good show today. Appreciate Scott Barry joining us. He'll be joining us Wednesday. We'll be on remote at Southern Bancor in Hattiesburg. Bob out this week. We'll hold it down for you. Appreciate Michael Mergens pushing all the right buttons today. Kelly and I will join you tomorrow at 1 o'clock. And as always, Southern Miss. To, to the, the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I want to fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle let my spirit Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.